This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, Bellator Society. This is Tracy Eddy, and I have Fran in Nashville. Of course, I'm in Phoenix, and you are joining us today on the podcast, and we are so grateful that you're here with us. If you know, if you've been following us um, on our blog this month, our theme is male and female. He created them. And so we have a guest today from Nashville, actually from New Jersey, uh, but now he lives in Nashville. And our guest is Tommy Kalaki, and he's a young uh, newly graduated in the last couple of years from college, and he is joining us to talk about just the dating life as a Catholic single male. So good good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually not single, to, to let you know. I am huh? dating, actually. So that might be throwing a little bit of a curveball into this. No, argument. it's good. It's all good. Here where it goes, yeah. Single <laughs> in the sense maybe not married, right. but still attached. That's, that's absolutely correct. It's funny enough, I when I was in college, I actually was asked to be a part of a uh, a man panel or a mantle as they call it. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, uh, it was pitched as, you know, all the fellas getting together to answer the questions for the ladies. Uh, and so they wanted to get like a guy from our walk of life. And so they had our chaplain, father Simon, they had, uh, Dr. Swafford, who's, uh, if you know, Sarah Swafford, it's her husband. Uh, and they also had, uh, Horatio. He was this, uh, he's an RD on campus there. Um, and then another friend of mine, basically it goes down the line and I was thinking in my head, how it'd be really funny if I was the last to go. And sure enough, I was. So it goes, you know, hi there, I'm father Simon. I- I'm the chaplain. And I have, you know, he's, he jokes, he has 2000 kids, you know, at the college and there's Dr. Swafford. Hi, I'm Dr. Swafford. I'm not a priest, but I'm married with this many kids. And then it says like, hi, uh, I think it was uh, Mark Derry. Is that right? Yeah. And he's like, I'm engaged. Then it was uh, my friend Jude and he was dating. And then you know, there's like a room full of like 150 women or something crazy. And it's my last, my turn to go. I was like, well, hi, I'm Tommy and I'm single. <laughs> and then all the girls went. <laughs> That's hilarious. Unplanned, but very humorous. Yeah. Awesome. Well, shout out to Benedictine for number one, doing the mantle, because that's awesome. And number two, for producing good and holy gentlemen, um, uh, you know, who, who matriculate from there into the world and uh, do amazing things. And we know that you are one of them. And so thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So our topic is dating in 2020, because while you you are attached, but you are still dating, you're again, you're not yet engaged or married. And so, right. you know, you, you have experience in the dating world, even more recently than Tracy and I. And so we want to kind of dig in and figure out like, what is the, what's, what's the vibe right now? Mm-hmm. Well, we know what it is right now in quarantine, like no one's dating. <laughs> But what would you say, like, do you, if you had to, if you had to describe the dating scene for you, what what would you say that it was like? Yeah, that's a funny question for someone like me because I, um, I guess I can say with some confidence that I have dipped my toes in a, a little bit of both waters, which is to say 
that I think is a pretty obvious um, uh, extreme, like two extremes that we see. Um, and I think that's uh, those are two extremes that you you only really get a full taste of if you kind of go to a small Catholic college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the one more well known and unfortunate extreme is that of the hookup culture, um, which is really tragic. And I um, I think we may even get into uh, you know the, the dating project of Boston College and, and mm-hmm. kind of recognizing that that uh, issue. Um, but yeah, it's the fact that in a lot of ways, people in the modern world have given up, and um, I think people have become frustrated. Um, and there's a certain ease uh, in dating apps, or or just simply this non-commitment, and kind of diving in and then uh, then leaving. Um, and so with the hookup culture, of course, the the story goes is like you find someone at a party and, and things happen, of course, but then you just kind of cut it off just like that. And there is no real dating, there is no real relationship, right. um, and it's tragic. There's a uh, I, it's escaping me now who uh, was the one who brought this up, but it was a, um, uh, I believe he's a professor at some place, and he was talking about, he's arguing his defense of like dating, how it ought to be. And there is a, a girl in there who is arguing against him and saying how she was defending basically, you know, women's rights, or just, it, but for her perspective, what women's rights looks like is defending the, the, the hookup culture, basically. Mm. Um, and which was, you know, fascinating, but then like the, uh, the professor, I think, replied though. He's like, "Yes, but how can you explain the uncontrollable crying you have every night, uh, mm-hmm. or the, every the next morning?" Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, you know what? I, I messed that up. No, she actually the one was the one. She, this is actually even more interesting. She was the one who admitted that she has a whole long spiel about why she can defend the her right to basically mm-hmm. you know, the hookup culture and that whole thing. And she says, "But there's only one downside, and that downside is the uncontrollable crying that happens the next morning." Uh, which she is, said that she did say that. <sighs> she, and it's incredible <laughs> and it, it's just it just goes to show you the longing and, and, and yeah the goodness of desire but then the unescapable uh consequences of deviating from the, the right ordering mm-hmm. um, which is absolutely fascinating and it just goes to show you like our we have these deep desires when we don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. um, we find cop-outs mm-hmm. um and it's a tragedy but um what's interesting and but what has been a flip side of that is i think which could be very relevant to this conversation too is the other extreme that i've also tasted which is the small catholic college uh dating culture uh <laughs> which is pretty consistent and is typically a disaster uh, oh no oh no <laughs> <laughs> disaster is a little bit extreme so maybe i'll backtrack I don't hear that, this. you know adjective um but the, how the, the story goes and i think a lot of us have heard this is that um, women become frustrated that men don't ask them out on a date and then men become intimidated and then men find must with the courage to ask a girl on a date and they say, Hey, let's get coffee. And they perhaps phrase it very, uh, in an ambiguous fashion. And then the, the girl gets very excited. And then she asks for the, what size house she'd like, how many kids. And then, you know, <laughs> and then the guy freaks out and the backtracks. And so it's kind of the story of, um, I guess it's like a, a frustration on the lady's part, of course, hoping for action, hoping for people, men to initiate, and men uh, kind of actually sensing that and becoming more intimidated and, and perhaps on their own way a little bit frustrated. Um, and when they do just ask to get to know, get to know a girl, um, it becomes escalated very quickly. Yes. Uh, and it's uh, and we can get into that in a bit, but that's uh, I don't know how far to go on this spiel, but I could talk about like that more in depth. Um, but that's kind of the I mean to me. Um, the climate that I see, particularly in the modern world in 2020, um, in, from the Catholic perspective, where you see the obvious and more well-known, unfortunate hookup culture, and just a lack of dating. And of course, you have dating apps. It's far easier to swipe left and right than it is to actually, you know, even on a secular level, to go to a bar and talk to a girl, you know, 
Um, and but on the flip side of that too, there's also an unfortunate when there's too much of a formality to it, it actually begins to stifle it, mm-hmm. and it begins to create a bit of a stigma even with um, with asking a girl on a date, and then it becomes a big deal, which is you know it is exciting of course, but then when there's an over excitement that can actually unfortunately cause a bit of an escalation that's not yet uh, it's premature. Right, from- because a date does not a couple make. It's a date. <laughs> it's a correct. cup of coffee. That doesn't correct. make a couple. Yeah, correct. Well, and so. I think also in this day and age that actually going on a date is so rare mm-hmm. that it does feel like it's a much bigger deal. If we, mm-hmm. if we instead of the casual hookup culture, if we, if we had more casual friendships and relationships and get to know you and have coffee, then maybe there wouldn't be so much read into mm-hmm. <laughs> getting a cup of coffee with a guy that you have a science class with and, you know, you think is cute. You know, mm-hmm. you, w- you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, my goodness, he actually spoke to me and asked me to go spend right. time with him. He must want to marry me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so is that, think, is, that, was, is that your experience? Um, did yes. You- no, 100%. I think, um, and, and yeah, I think that's what that's, it's, you can perceive that and recognize how it's, it's very understandable, but it is a bit unfortunate of how that, to, you know, ends up occurring because, uh, women just get asked out less, and then when they do get asked out, it becomes a bigger deal. And the bigger deal it becomes, the more the guy becomes nervous, and it becomes a bit of a, almost like a, uh, uh, how do I say, it? almost like a pendulum effect even, or just like a, yeah. it begins to, the domino effect of like the more excitement there is, the more intimidation it causes on the guy's part, the more backpedaling Backtrack. it <laughs> I mean, I, I can even tell you from experience, like, um, I think it's my junior year, I asked a girl on a date. And I'm, I'm talking literally two or maybe three hours later, I'm walking across campus and then a guy who I knew like well, but like we were not really great friends. He's like, hey, Tommy, have fun. And I'm like, excuse me? And he's like, have fun later. And I, he knew. He's like, it just like went down the grapevine and like literally within hours, uh, yeah. I'm going on a date and it becomes, which, you know, and of course I would never, uh, I would never intend to like to demean the legitimate excitement of how it's good. But then the problem is when you create too amped up is you actually lose a bit of the casualness. Um, and this is where the, the, the I think the paradox of, of dating uh, comes into play, which is to say that people think, oh, well, casual equates the hookup culture. Therefore, we right. don't need that. So we got to go with the other effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually staunchly against courting, frankly. Um, I think at, when it's given the right moment, yeah, courting has time and place. Uh, but that is like the step before engagement. Okay, pause for a second. Can you talk about what you mean by courting? Yes, absolutely. What I mean by courting is the definition that is uh, basically, if you look at it, it's basically a complete parallel to engagement. You ask mm-hmm. for permission. You it's a very chaperoned environment. Um, it's very formal. The family knows. There's a lot of participation. There's a lot of supervision. Um, there's investment. There's investment, and there's mm-hmm. in intense commitment, intense mm-hmm. commitment. Um, and so that's my definition of courting uh, in the traditional sense, like, hello, can I write to your daughter? You know, can we go in, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the scene, the quiet man where there's a chaperone behind <laughs> run yeah, off, you know? I sort of um, like that. <laughs> um, Probably not in real life, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but the problem with that though is, is the fact that like, it's, you're not ready yet. And, and, yeah. and that's, it's not a problem with guys actually. Like, you know, it's, you can't blame a, a man uh, or even a woman for that matter, uh, to not be ready for marriage or not be ready for, or even just that intensive a commitment. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think she's cute. <laughs> I just want to get yeah. to know. Her. Yeah. And that's all, you know, and that's okay. She uh, might eat with her mouth open and have an annoying laugh. Like, you don't how, know do you, how do you know it's, it's, yeah, that's courting is a, I think a big step when you don't know 
much about a person really. Correct. Correct. Well, and I think too, like in the, in the theology of the body world, we talk a lot about the language of the body where like, you don't want to lie about the relationship in terms of what you're doing with your body with this other person. Like it shouldn't betray the relationship in the same way. Like there's a language of the, the relationship. Like you don't want to talk too much about, um, you know, your family's meeting or those sorts of things when you're not there yet. Like you didn't spend the time to get there where it makes sense for the relationship. Correct. Correct. I think it's just, it just goes into right relation and right ordering Mm -hmm. of how things progress. And I think, again, I I always think it's very important to recognize when someone has an opinion that might be, you know, errored or, 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 you know, deviating from what is correct um, to recognize why is this, this thought process occurring. And I do think it's, it's perfectly legitimate to understand why the courting culture is there or it's almost like a rebellion against the rebellion. You know, it's a defense. Against, it's totally yeah, a defense. defense. Absolutely. It's a defense against Woodstock. It's a defense against like the, you know, make love, not war, like that whole culture, the hippie culture, uh, which still is present today in, in hookup culture in colleges, especially in colleges. Um, but then when you pendulum swing the other way and you make it so formal and so, uh, uh, yeah, like formalized and there's like an intense reverence around it. Um, it begins, a, it becomes very intimidating and therefore it stifles the fun and, and the, the lightheartedness. And so the paradox there is that because you recognize of, of how important it is and and because it's so needed, it's actually precisely why you you want to treat it uh, the way what it is for its given uh, stage, I guess. That, that sounded very confusing. But basically, you know, yes, this can end up the marriage, but you can't think about marriage yet. And so you actually start by the casualness. Uh, but that casualness is not permanent. It's like, no, we're just getting coffee. And it's not because I'm actually disrespecting it. It's actually because I'm respecting it and respecting the right ordering, that this is the order we're in right now. This is a stage we're in right now. We really don't know each other. And because of that, we remain in the casual area and slowly in in an organic fashion. I think that's one of the best words to use. Is it like allow it to progress and grow as it ought to. Mm. Um, So you never end up in the extreme of the hookup culture. We kind of give up. Uh, But nor do you end up in the overly stifled, overly formalistic um, extreme. And then it actually stifles and cuts off everything. Uh, where there's, you just, it's too big of a leap. You can't go from zero to a hundred. I've seen that play out. I mean, I've definitely seen that play out and just, um, you know, my kids, it's like, there's, there's a boy you might like, and then everybody freaks out and gets all excited for you. And then it's like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm actually not even going to talk to him anymore because <laughs> it's so awkward and uncomfortable for everyone because, right, right. you know, like the it, almost, um, you know, the whole school or the whole youth group or whatever the case may be, right. um, gets involved quickly, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, now I actually don't even want to be his friend, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, yeah. which is a shame because, because friendships can, can get ruined. But Fran um, was interviewed a couple weeks ago by one of our contributors. And you talked about your, your story and how you met your husband and really your focus was, and I thought it was so sweet, but so powerful was that you and Matt met at school and you became really good friends long before you dated. And then even when you broke up for a little bit, it was a you break. Still, it was a break. We were on a break, but you were still really good friends and still yeah. hung out. And, you know, and then obviously, um, it got back together as a couple. And I think that's missing. I think having good guy friends or, you know, good girlfriends that you can hang out with and get to know, um, you know, on a deeper level is I just don't, I don't see that in, I guess, and maybe, you know, maybe my kids are, different. But from what I see as a mom, you know, from my vantage point, it just, it does seem very different than when I was in high school. Right. Right. I think also, you know, 
I, we also need to be, I, you know, accepting, I suppose, the fact of the culture we live in, but then try yeah. our own ways to, to try to change it little by little. But uh, as much as I wish it was, you know, kind of like the this stereotypical drive-in theater 1950s dating culture of just like, oh, well, Mary Jo's cute. I'll take her out on a day on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, Friday's open and very casual, but very beautiful. And then by, you know, in a certain sense, uh, yeah, and I would even say a healthy sense kind of circulating from different people. You get to know a lot of people and then you really know who you would like to date. Um, and, then it, and then again, it progresses onto exclusivity um, and then to more serious where even then courting and then engagement and of course marriage. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, when there's sort of a, uh, a stifling of that, that can be hindered and then it, you know, that can't happen. But uh, that, that's also sort of a, um, I, I think when you recognize what could happen just to, to keep it casual, at least initially, then that can, that can grow. But then if it's too, if there's too much stigma around it, there's too much talk around it, um, it can stifle it. Uh, so, so that, so yeah, go ahead. I'm a, I'm a practical girl and I yeah. want to know what keep it casual means. Sure. I think I, hmm. so I would say the first step in keep it casual, in my opinion, would just be, um, yeah, I think in, in, in college that would mean, yeah, be friends with, with the opposite sex and, and mm-hmm. you know, get yourself out there and make friends, um, get to know them. Um, and it doesn't mean get to know them for a year. It just means to get to know them and not to jump the gum too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, in that sense, not to be too uh, cooped up, I suppose. Uh, but then I also think that, you know, as the time moves on to also to not be shy and to pull the trigger and to say, hey, I'd like to ask you out on a date. Uh, and yeah, as I, I saw in a lot of responses from other people who, who answered to be explicit, to be clear. Yeah. Uh, and but 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 to not equate, you know, clearness or bluntness even with forwardness. You know, it's not like it, just because I, I want to ask you on a date doesn't mean like I want to marry you. It's just like, no, I'm just being clear that like this is what I'm intending. Because right. um, I, you know, I like you or at least I think you're cute and I'd love to get to know you better. And that's, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And to allow the potential to grow from there to exist and go and grow. Um, so I think, yeah, and it, it, it all varies depending on state in life. I think outside of college, um, that looks, you know, you know, allowing yourself to go out into uh, you know, not be cooped up and to expect Superman to jump out of the sky. And likewise for guys to, and actually quite similarly to, you also need to get yourself out there. Um, but then what, what's also kind of paradoxical there is I think you do your part and then you wait. Mm-hmm. You know, you do your part, you get yourself out there, you're involved in, in young adult groups, but you, you, what's really hard, but I think very necessary, is then you don't have cooped up expectations. Mm-hmm. Is you're out there, you meet people, and you keep it casual, and then from that you can actually ask people out on dates, Mm-hmm. Um, and to uh, allow that potential to grow into actually asking dating someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, it shouldn't be, though, to the extreme where, uh, oh, I'm doing this, I'm going to this wedding, I'm going to this party, and I will meet someone. And then you don't, and yes. you're <laughs> frustration. Yeah. And I will meet a groomsman. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my biggest frustrations when Matt and I were doing young adult ministry is um, we, we would every once in a while host like events at our house and we had little kids that we would put in bed. But then, you know, we'd have all these like young 20 somethings over to the house and right. you knew the people who were there to meet somebody. You knew the people who yep. showed up to every event because they just wanted to be a part of the group and like mm-hmm. they were a part of the group and it would have made sense at any given moment for them to look across the room and be like, I'm going to ask that person to go get coffee after this. Yeah. 
Yes. But you knew the people who just showed up for the events where they were looking for somebody and it made it so awkward. It just yes. made it super awkward. So I love how kind of, you may not have meant to give this as a piece of advice, but like plug into the stuff you're interested in because you're interested in being yeah. in the group or you're interested in the activity and then let it be authentic and organic and grow right. out from there rather than have an agenda, this manufactured, like I'm going to go to this thing to get this person so we can move to the next right. step. Like it's right. just so and that, automated. Absolutely. And that also plays into the fact that, you know, women can tell when a guy's talking to her because like, Oh, I need a wife. Like yeah. women don't want to be an A they want to be the, like, I know I met you mm -hmm. uh, and, and romance and love and, and all of it. it it's uh, what's funny is I heard a priest one time say that when he does uh, marriage prep, um, like every couple comes in and they all think, oh, no, 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 we're different, you know, and or like, you know, we're the exception or we're, we have this incredible relationship and we're destined for greatness, lots of different things. And he said, like, you know, it's funny because like I hear that all the time. And yet at the same time, it's actually somewhat true because in a certain sense, you are you, you kind of create a bit of a universe that you're the only the only two citizens of. Mm. Um, there is a, a uniqueness to every single relationship i you know i hate to be cheesy but like yeah the snowflake effect you know where it's like a you know millions of billions but they're yeah. all different um and so in the same way i think uh with the you know put yourself out there but then wait it's really hard to find that balance but it's you know to go to young adult groups to go out and to be exposed and to, and be able to meet people but do not have that like i must meet a person mm -hmm. uh and then if you strike up a conversation don't be thinking like oh i need a wife this could be a wife no <laughs> but like no this is an interesting this conversation <laughs> i would love to have another and and what's funny is actually this is i yeah this is how i met um my current girlfriend rachel and we were at a wedding and it's like ah classic well okay sure it might be classic but i had no expectations and actually nor did she uh she was actually uh, she mentioned to me that she was like making fun of the fact that like like oh gonna meet someone but she was saying that you know as a jokingly the fact that like that's typically the attitude oh i'm going to a wedding therefore meet someone mm -hmm. but she of course didn't think that would ever happen um but when we met it was authentically just a really good conversation and uh i think we, I, we, I say for both of us that we just were both interested in the conversation and it was is very simply we wanted to have another and that's mm -hmm. it um, yeah. Of course, there's other things happening there, but it wasn't, frankly, fireworks or just like, there she is. Um, but just simply like, wow, that was a very good conversation. I'd love to have another. Um, and and then another and then another and then another. And then from that, we began dating. Um, it was a bit more dramatic than that because I met her in Iowa. She lives in Colorado, going to school in Florida. I was from New Jersey and I'm living in Tennessee. <laughs> kind of so, complicated, Tommy. A little complicated. Yeah, I think we've been to, what is it, like fifth, like, oh my goodness, at least 10 states together now uh, through our relationship, <laughs> like including one time in Texas where we both randomly, you know, had a layup. I, she was flying back uh, to home from a wedding in Texas and I had just flown in for a business trip in Texas. So we got lunch together. Um, so it's kind of oh crazy. Goodness. But, um, <laughs> But I think, uh, yeah, that's the hard balance. But I think the balance that needs to be struck um, is enabling yourself to be out there, so to speak, but not doing so. We're like, OK, I'm going wife hunting. It's like, no, yeah. you put yourself out there. So you allow and this, this applies to spiritual life. You know, it's if you're going through dark night of the soul, that's OK. That's very dramatic and you know, epic sounding. If you're going through a bit of spiritual dryness, you know, if you're not getting a lot out of prayer, it's easy to become discouraged. But it's like, no, you still show up. You still pray. And showing up is like 90% of the work, and then the Lord can work through that. And that, I think that applies to the dating life, too, where it's put yourself out there, go be involved, don't be a, a, a hermit. 
Um, but at the same time, don't go into expectations and just like, oh my goodness, they didn't meet someone yet. Or and that and again, that applies to both men and women. Women, I think, more so are get frustrated because they're the ones who are not necessarily in the active role. And for men, they can be, uh, but men too, they they also are, you know, can be looking. Uh, but I think for men, they need to be out there and then to be uh, receptive and open um, to the one they could meet and that really good conversation that you may strike up about. Uh, in our case, we, she's saying she's reading, I'm reading Harry Potter and the paganization of culture. And I was like, hmm, fascinating. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and we went from there. Not going to get into that, obviously, right now. But uh, <laughs> that's how we you know, met and uh, why we both mutually desired to have another conversation and things progressed from there. I have a theory. I have a theory, another reason why the dating culture is so... Um, in my, in my opinion, a little backwards or different. Like you said, I don't want to bash the current dating culture because I, I'm sure our grandparents thought that how we dated was just awful compared to how they, you know, dated each other. And I'm sure our children are going to say the same thing about their children's dating culture. So some of it is, I think, generational and just, just yeah. the culture that you live in and that right. you're accustomed to. But I, my opinion, I have several opinions, but I have an opinion in that, in the, in the, social media platforms that we live in 24 seven and the Instagram filters that we have at the, you know, everyone looks beautiful and everyone, and then you see someone in real life and you're like, huh, that's yeah. not what all these beautiful women or all these handsome men on my Insta feed look like. Right. Right. I feel like there's almost an unattainable, um, view of, of the male sex and the female sex for, you know, the opposite right. person. Um, you know, and I know I hear, Oh, he's just, you know, he's, he's not as cute as I want, or he's not what, I, and I'm like, he's 15, mm. <laughs> you know, like you're, you, you see so many beautiful people on Instagram or social media. And so then we have this idea of like, that's, that's reality when really that's not reality, you no. know? And so oh. how to live with those expectations and kind of, um, you know, live within reality. Right. Uh, is that, have, did you see any of that or do you feel like that? Or am I just an old curmudgeon? No, a hundred percent. I actually, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a really big topic, but one that's a, a, a always relevant. I think in some ways has been very, uh, at this point, fortunately, very discussed, like the recognition of the plasticness of Instagram yeah. or filters and all that. Um, but it, it is funny how we can, we, it seems like that most you know, Gen Z and millennials know about this, but then do very little actually to to fix it or to to change it. Um, but I will say though that is that what's interesting um, in all this discussion too. And I don't want to bridge into a topic that's way beyond this discussion because this is like specific to dating and to keep it there. Um, but but you can't help but recognize that this is also um, unavoidably uh, a discussion also just following human nature and that yeah. it's not you know it, dating can't merely be like you know what's the problem of dating twenty twenty how do we solve it. And of course, we want to talk about it and recognize it. Um, I think women particularly have a gift for being disposed and and uh, toward relationships. And that's beautiful, um, and men less so probably. But regardless, um, we all need to relate, and we both need one another. Um, but we are broken, and so you know, women will continue having a tendency to want to control or to to be manipulative, and men will also have the tendency to want to be passive and vindicate the role as men and to be active uh, and to engage. Um, and so this is actually, uh, this kind of goes back to the garden, you know, Adam and Eve, it's the same problems we're dealing with. And in and, and a certain sense, we always will be dealing with, it changes in modern culture. And I think technology has a lot to do with that. 
But I think technology has a lot to do with that because of how we relate to technology. And that goes back again to the same problem of like, how do we relate? Uh, and for men, I think the dating apps are great. It's like, oh, sweet, no work. Uh, and for women, perhaps it could be something similar where we all have these tendencies of our fallen nature. Um, and of course, we all have a, a variety of faults and a variety of strengths. But ultimately, um, it is fallen nature that kind of makes all this very messy. And how do we you know, heal it? Um, but another thing I think, too, that's particularly, um, I think, noticeable in dating culture is that we all, this is absolutely indispensable because dating is, is in a sense, the gateway to marriage. And we all long to be loved. And, and more than, like, I don't say more than loved, but part of that, too, is we long to be known. We want to be known and to be seen. Um, and, and that's mutual. And, I, of course, there's like that Catholic buzzword, uh, encounter. Um, but what, what I think part of the reason why it became a buzzword, though, is that um, encounter implies a mutual experience. Uh, when, and when you say experience, you're, you're saying that you're the subject uh, who can experience something, and then the other thing is not experiencing it back. Mm-hmm. So you can experience like a great view or that sort of thing. Um, but when you say encounter, you're saying it's a, it's a reciprocal, mutual um, experiencing. And so therefore, it's an encounter. Um, and that dating and relationships, it's very messy, but it is an encounter, and it requires an openness uh, and a receptivity to what God has to offer, what reality has to offer. And you work with reality, you work with the natural world to enter into it. Um, and, and I could also go into a whole tangent on you know, the difference between entering into versus escaping, you know, with technology especially. Yeah. Well, I think, I think going just into loafing, that, I mean, I think um, maybe to escaping, riff on that, actually just just into, um, but I think, yeah, we need to escape the the plastic culture and to be open uh, and to recognize that Instagram isn't reality um, and to allow uh, people to come into it and to be surprised. So Absolutely. we had a little bit of a technical audio glitch there, so I don't. I want to make sure that we didn't miss what you said. But also, sure. I love when you were when you were jumping into this idea of um, of uh, kind of leaning in or running away. And I think it right. goes back to something that you mentioned in the very beginning: desire. Right. right. Figuring out what it is we're actually desiring. What are we looking for? And until right. we know what that is, we're never going to find it. Right? right. We don't know whether to lean into it or to run away from it or indulge too much in it or, you know, be scared of it. We, we really need to, to figure out what it is that we desire. And one of the things we just did a, a study of about um, 50 college and grad students, um, early 20s um, at a large secular, secular university. They were all participatory in a um, campus ministry. And the first question we asked them was the, the question that Jesus asks people, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Right. And and so I think that until we know what it is that we're looking for in another person, then we're all going to be confused. Like, because are, are we looking to get something out of them? Are we looking to use them in some way? Are we looking to love them? Are we looking to, to know them? Are there specific traits? Like, what, what would you say when you when you first started out in the dating scene? What were you looking for? And has that changed? Yeah, I think, hmm, I want to read a really quick quote by C.S. Lewis because I think it's applicable and it's, uh, you probably have both heard it, but it's really good, but it's basically him talking about, uh, it's the holiday of the sequel, but he says that we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, exactly. They're far too easily pleased, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's the fast food, um, <laughs> the fast food, exactly. 
Uh, and then you actually get more hungry for the very thing that left you malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think uh, with goodness, when we deal with anything that is beyond us, um, we're stepping into you know messy waters, and we're stepping into something that's it's uh, it's by its very nature. Um, I oh my goodness, I'm forgetting it now. By by its very nature, we need to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really cool mic drop I've heard one time that's saying that um, intimacy and control cannot occupy the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with dating, mm-hmm. this is the perpetual problem. <laughs> it's that we want to control, but when you control, you stifle intimacy mm-hmm. and you stifle spontaneity and you stifle um, openness and, and the and gifts actually that are given to us, um, which is why I was talking earlier about doing your part, but then being receptive to what can come your way. Um, so I think, yes, I think... Um, it's really key and important to have very high standards, um, but to not allow those high standards to actually become equated with actually boxing. And I think I would be bold to say that women have a bigger tendency for this, but men do it too, um, certainly. But that's just sort of like this is this is my man or this is my woman, and she's gonna you know have blonde hair, blue eyes, this mm-hmm. that that and this, um, and and then that becomes like your your idea of who that is and then you become disappointed when that's not the case. Yeah, cuz um, you can never find that. You can never find per- there, really there is no perfection, you yeah. know. I mean, we're nobody is perfect and so if you're looking yeah. for the perfect man or the perfect woman, it's not going to exist. So it's kind of like and I'm not saying set the bar low <laughs> when you no, when, no. when you know looking for um, a relationship and 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 dating and everything, but you have to be realistic with right with the fallen world that you live in. Well, and yeah. setting the bar, you have to look in the mirror too. Like, yeah. why would why would a perfect person want to be with me? I'm not perfect. Right. You know? exactly. 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 So, I mean, I you're pretty perfect. It probably sounds like I was sidestepping your question. I wasn't. I'm, I'm getting to the point. Yeah. Um, that is that um, you, we cannot be too particular in the sense that we have this perfect, you know, curated person that mm-hmm. doesn't exist or, or perhaps is impossible to find or, or the other false notion that like the one is out there and like, oh no, what if like I... I missed the one when that's actually, no, you, you actually choose the one. And, and technically they do become the one, but that is a choice. And in a certain sense, they become the one from that choice. And therefore there is no such thing as like, oh no, my one's in India and I don't realize it. I got to find her. <laughs> um, so in that sense, I think what we desire, what we ought to desire, what I desire um, should be less so on the details, I suppose, and the particulars, I guess the, uh, the uh, I don't want to say negotiable, non-negotiables, but like those are things that are non. Uh, how do I say this? Now I feel like I'm stumbling over my language. But yeah, you could say negotiables. That sounds like a horrible way of putting it. But what's non-negotiable, uh, to be more uh, clear, is is yeah, the morals, the, the standard mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. of like the character, um, and that's that's what I think is what we all need to have non-negotiables for. To have, of course, openness to details that we didn't expect, interest and personality quirks and all those things that you just you can never expect. You can never just like curate a person in your head and just find that person. Those are things that need to be spontaneous and surprising um, and be surprised with joy. Um, but the things that we cannot let go of, I think, are in fact those high standards of character. Um, and not just their character, but also how your character is in relation to that other person. Mm-hmm. Is this person making me holier? Am I not just becoming holier? Well, actually, no, I'm being redundant. Am I becoming holier? And am I also becoming more of who I am, which is a redundant phrase that the more we become who we are, we are becoming more holy, um, which is in a nutshell friendship, um, which is also applicable to dating, too, because mm-hmm. in dating, it requires all four loves. Love, and it requires all four of them, affection and friendship, agape and eros. Um, of course, Eros takes the stage and spotlight for dating, 
Um, but we, we need all four, you know, the quirks and things you love about them. That's the, you know, the affection. And then you've got the, uh, of course the arrows, which we all know. Um, and then friendship so important of like just being best friends and making each other better people and making each other more virtuous and thereby more of who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course we all know agape self-sacrificial love. There's moments where it's really hard to love where it's really, uh, oftentimes very much the will, you know, I choose to love you <laughs> uh, and I will abide itself. But then, you know, I think even there with agape, that can in itself become a bit of a joy, like with the Saint uh, Therese, where mm-hmm. she almost desired like, inconveniences or frustrations because she knew she was becoming holier. Mm-hmm. So I think in, as far as what I've looked for, of course, it can go into the obvious of like, you know, wife material and mother material, you know, a woman who's going to raise very beautiful children and uh, catechize them really well. Or, uh, But also, yeah, who is a woman that makes me better do i make her better are we making each other better um because it's messy it's really messy and you're only the deeper you go the only more uh sobering it becomes of how broken and sinful um we we all are but the question is not so much how sinful you are but how how do you relate to each other and are you building each other up to become better and to stumble through life together uh and in that relation is where it's key I heard something recently um, about this Eros and Agape mindset in our culture and how it was the fault of both sides and that the Christian-y culture, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, we, we focus almost too much on the Agape and we, we sort of shy our eyes away from the, the Eros side of relationships where the secular culture is all about the Eros, like, yeah. and Agape has nothing to do with it. When in fact, the, the happy, not the happy medium, but like where we should all begin and the other things will become the fruit of it is the filial love. Right. is that that sense of like again as Tracy mentioned earlier that that friendship and if we are if we're entering into real friendships and that's what we're looking for community communing mm-hmm. with um right. you know suffering with all of those things that, that that are implicit in filial love then the eros and the and the agape are going to to, to sprout out from that but we have yeah. to start there but so often depending on which side of the the world you find yourself right. you start with the wrong thing and then you wonder why well why is this not working Right. And I think that also goes into, uh, you know, you can say the difference between a vow and a contract. And I think what's really tragic, but I think a lot of marriages today are not really vows, but they're contracts. And I say that in the sense that you go in with expectations, you go in with what you know, but you also unfortunately go in saying, if this is broken or there's a bullet point that I didn't read and didn't sign my name on the dotted line, then I'm I'm throwing in a towel um, that I did not expect this. And but the fact of the matter is with life, with our brokenness and our sinfulness, there will be uh, a bullet point you did not expect. There will be something you, you're, you're not ready for. But a vow is completely different where it says, no, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. Like, I will love you and I will be by your side and we'll stumble through life together. And that's fundamentally different. Um, because if you if you're thinking of it as a contract, like, we both know what we know. We both like each other, this, that, and that, and this. Um, and then we go forward, but then that will change. And and love does have different seasons. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it is a bit of a, a roller coaster depending on you know not necessarily saying how many loops or how many ups and downs it has, but it, it is a bit of a roller coaster. Um, and I think all four are necessary, all four loves. Um, but sometimes all four loves in themselves have different seasons. Like there's a season of like more more prominent agape, a season typically earlier on we first meet each other of more intense eros and like you know infatuation, uh, or even just like in affection prominent later on too 
you can think of uh, just the old couple who are just you know they smile at each other and there's just so much affection there because it's not just a it's not just a smile of like hey it's a smile of, of like 30 40 years of of marriage and what that entails um, and maybe that smile actually encompasses all four loves um, so I think that wow I lost my train of thought where I was going with all that um, talk a lot <laughs> about love. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. Um, no, I yeah, love so, it because it's important. It's it's part of dating. I mean, we, we, our job is to love the other person. The only correct response to another human being is love, and we need to figure out what that looks like. What is the appropriate context for that? I think that's where you're going. Yes, and and yeah, and also I was thinking of I uh, and just in particularly the the interplay between eros and agape. Mm-hmm. That I think yes, we definitely have the, the yeah, as you said, the stereotype of like agape, 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 like die to self, die to self. It's like, yes, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with like, you know, the intense, like, romance that you feel initially and the excitement and all that. Um, but, of course, on the flip side of that, you can't be the hookup culture either, which is the thrill. And and then you get this incredible, like, again, thrill out of it. But then in the long term, it doesn't last. Um, and Eros is beautiful. And, and let's hope and pray that Eros is there forever and throughout all of marriages and all of dating, for instance, um, but errors comes and goes too. You know, there's times where it's a bit dry. There's times when you got to rely on agape, but that's okay. You need both. Um, but I say all that because I think, especially in regards to the vow versus contract, I think in the contract mindset, when the thrill is gone, when when things are a bit drier, or perhaps just like the stress of life gets to you a little bit, and perhaps you're not getting like the same thrill you once got when you're like young kids in love, um, it's easy to like be really discouraged. But the fact of the matter is like, It'll come back, and, and it's also like it's not everything. It's important. It's darn important, and, it's, and let's hope and pray again. It's always there, um, but we need all. We know all four loves, um, and ultimately, uh, dating, which is ordered to marriage, um, is is about a vow and not a contract. And to recognize the thrill is good, eros uh, is good, um, but we need both. You mentioned at the start of our interview, uh, the Boston College Dating Project, um, which I know yeah. we chatted about before, and we've actually talked about it on the podcast before as well. Okay. And so yeah. we don't have to we don't have to rehash all the rules. But I did wonder, like, what what are your rules for dating? Like, what 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 is important to you when you are? And I know that you're in a relationship, so you might have to like think back a little bit. But like, yeah. did you did you did you have standards in terms of like, okay, if I see somebody, I, it's going to be important that I ask them out, you know, this week, or I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose the guts, or like, mm-hmm. were there things that you were either taught by your parents or by your culture or by your friends that you observed were working well or not working well that influenced mm-hmm. how you operated in the dating world? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think uh, for me, I know I've seen both extremes perhaps where I've had my seasons of I personally having too high of a standard or relying too much on my intuition or observation thinking that I know enough of that person where I know I'm not interested actually mm-hmm. um, and not taking enough risk um, and therefore being too standoffish. But I've also had a season where I asked a lot of girls out in, in a row and it, it's okay. It didn't work How'd out. How'd that go? <laughs> it, it was great, actually. Do you recommend it? I I would not recommend it in a fashion that would be reckless and therefore hurtful. Obviously, yes. I think if you're asking a girl on a date, you ask that girl on a date and you follow up with that and you don't bounce around. I think some people take that too far where they're actually bouncing around. Um, if that's the, by and large, whole culture, like it perhaps it was in the 1950s, I think yeah. that's okay. But that was the culture. It's not the culture right now. And so therefore, we can't play that game. I think if you ask a girl out and then you ask another girl out the next week, and you never talked, had a follow with that girl or talked to her about that, 
that can be really damaging and very unhealthy. Okay, what uh, does that talk look like? Let's get real practical to the nitty gritty yeah. here. Like when you go on a date and it was fine, but it wasn't a love connection. Do you have to have a define the relationship conversation? That's like, I'm defining this DTR. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had several. I, oh my gosh. What does it look like? And I've been on both sides. I, so the one side where I was not interested, uh, yeah, it was a follow up, and, I I think I would probably do something similar, but you know, if I were ever in that situation again, but it was very much, we went on a date, it was fun, but I was not interested and I knew that very certainly. And so it was a simple, Hey, let's go on a walk. Uh, and she said, that's great. And we went on a walk and we chatted, of course, had small talk and, you know, follow up on how the date was and all that. Um, but then I just said kind of pretty plainly, but you know, delicately, of course, that I wasn't interested, but I'd, uh, of course the, the classic, but you know, authentic, um, statement that I would love to remain friends or just, you know, it was or fun to, you, but I'm not you. It was all, you and not me actually. <laughs> there was no there, there. <laughs> yeah, I've also been on the other side of that where, um, I mean, I initiated both conversations, but in another one, I was, I, uh, I think I well, to be honest with you, I think this other instance, I was a bit on the fence myself, but I was interested for another day. Um, it's like, yeah, you, you would like to go on a walk and it's similar fashion. But in that, she was like, I'm actually interested and, and there's a lot going on in my life. I would, I, I want to say yes to this date, um, but I can't actually move forward. And that was fine. And we actually just, you know, that was the beginning of the conversation. We continued to have another long walk and have a great conversation thereafter. And we actually worked together at a coffee shop and, you know, it was all great. And it was a great experience and no harm done. And if anything, just lesson learned. Is uh, it better to make those conversations about the the person or the relationship, or is it better to make it about the circumstances? Because you just mentioned that she was like, "There's a lot going on." Yeah. Again, kind of, kind of suggesting it's not you, it's not us. It's just like yeah. life is hard. Is that does that fall so- more more softly? Do you think? Do you think that's better, or should you just? I don't know, Tommy. Yeah. This makes me so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I am just a big believer in honesty. But I'm also, I am a believer, obviously, in, in immense tact, but tact is not um, like av- averting the question or, or averting the, the, the truth of the matter. In, the, in, the, in this girl, she, also being authentic with me, she had family matters and she could not date at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be that she was not interested in me at all and mm-hmm. that if she was really interested in me, she could have made those family matters work out or something. That's sure. very possible. Um, but she was being honest and I know she was. And so that mm-hmm. was like... Um, but I also know she wasn't inter- like terribly interested and that was like a big thing. Um, and so, but I also think that, you know, if there is, if you're doing that only as to soften the blow or only doing that to, uh, to make it as an excuse or a scapegoat or a cop out to the authentic, authentically, yeah, the honest, uh, answer that like, I'm not interested. Um, I, I think you shouldn't do it. And that's, that's my opinion. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it does get difficult in it and you, I think it's good to, talk to guys or, you know, the same sex about the best way to go about and using lots of tact to, to mm-hmm. be gentle and to be merciful and loving, always, always loving, not necessarily agape or, or sorry, not necessarily eros, obviously. If it's lacking, that's obviously the, the reason mm-hmm. for the conversation in the first place. Um, but I do think, um, yeah, I think honesty is always key and, and the truth will set you free. Um, but that is not, nor is that, but again, to say it again, it's, it's not a, a cop out from tact. Um, and therefore just being blunt and, and kind of, uh, you know, a bit abrasive, you know, um, but tactfulness is not the same as avoiding authenticity. 
Yeah. Okay. We're going to walk backwards a little bit because we just talked about how to, how to break it off. So let's talk about <laughs> how to pick it up in terms of like, we talked to in, in our survey, um, both the guys and the girls, like, how do you let someone else know that you're interested in them? And, um, as uh, the, the observation was be direct, be direct, ask them on a date, tell them that you like them. And all of that sounds really cool, especially when it's on an anonymous survey, but like, what are the things that really work? Do you think? Wow. Yeah. I think this is a, a different question for a guy to a girl because a girl is definitely a lot trickier than it is for a guy. Okay. What I, do you mean like, by that? I mean by that, that I'm in the camp. I, I don't, I don't necessarily use the word camp, but I am in the, you know, if I can use that word of, if you like a girl and you have enough, you, you have enough knowledge, we'd like to get to know her better than just ask her on a date, you know, and just see where that's it goes. That's a good camp to be in. Yeah. All the girls, all all of the girls said that's that, that that's what they wanted. Like everybody reported that that's exactly what they wanted. So that's a good camp. Yeah, and of course, and I always say that, but you, know, it's always important to have yeah, lots of mercy on the the culture and the climate. I think again, in the small Catholic college culture, people find out it becomes weird. Everyone knows yeah. that they went on a date, it didn't work out. Oh boy! And unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of gossip that goes around, and mm-hmm. so that can be really intimidating. And I think guys, yes, there can be intimidation, no doubt. But I think sometimes it's actually out of protection for the girl that if it doesn't work out, then like it's gossip. And so he, he wants to preserve that friendship and perhaps it's mutual. They both love the friendship. And then it's like, okay, do we take this risk? Um, and the answer is like, yes, ultimately you have to take a risk. Otherwise you'll never know. You have to take the leap. Um, and there is vulnerability. And, but there is, of course, timing. And, and that's where the debate kind of falls is the timing. Do you wait a year? Do you wait a week? Do you wait a month? Et cetera. Um, I think, so yeah, that, that I say that because I think if you like a girl enough, you don't need to drop any kind of signs or, you know, be elusive or, you know, oh, wow, he rubbed my back or he just like, he hugged me a little extra long or he looked at me or whatever these signs, you just, just ask her out and be blunt. He gave me a French fry. That was yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's break that down. How did he give you the French fry? So, yeah. Exactly. Did he dip it in the ketchup um, for you? Because that's very telling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think for girls, this is more applicable in the sense that it, it is helpful for guys to know that a girl likes him. Um, I think if it becomes overly obvious and overt, that can be kind of frustrating because then you, in a certain sense, the man is losing his ability to pursue and that the woman's just like, hey, I like you. Come go get me. Uh, and that's kind of frustrating because the guy wants to pursue. He wants to go get the damsel in distress to be kind of cheesy about it or fairy tale like. Um, but but it, it is helpful to at least know somewhat. And so that's a, a hard balance to strike for a, for a lady uh, to let a guy know that she likes him, but not to do so in an overly obvious fashion that's overbearing. Um, I think also, yeah, guys uh, obviously have less intuition skills than women do, but I do think that men do not get enough credit for picking up on signs. I think it's also a personality thing, uh, but I, I do think I have been kind of frustrated with a, a idea that men are these blockhead cavemen who just don't pick up anything. Um, I think men do figure things out and men can kind of detect those things. Um, and if the guy, it's mutual, the guy certainly will <laughs> pick up on it because he's looking at her too. Um, and so that's when it gets a lot easier because if it's mutual. They're going to notice each other and notice different cues and signs. Um, so yeah, as far as, yeah, I guess to get more practical, I do think, yeah, standing nearby, perhaps being kind of obvious about interest. Um, I think Anything that shows interest, I think, is healthy and good so long as it doesn't bleed into pandering or doesn't bleed into, like, overtness or just, like, wow, overbearing, you know? I think it's good to show interest and good to be clear in that fashion, but not to do so in such a way where 
you know, a girl's interested in a guy talk about a Ferrari when she doesn't care less, you know, you know about, about the Ferrari, but it's only because um, I think it's it's good and polite to to show interest because another shows interest, but to the point where it's a, a supposed mutual interest that can go too far, for instance. Mm-hmm. But I hope that makes sense. So that's that's the best like, thing I can conjure up in terms of helping no, me. These are, this is great. I mean, you're, you're telling us from a guy's perspective what I think a lot of us intuit. Like a lot of us think that we know this, but until a guy says it, it's hard to nail it down and be like, okay, I thought this, but now it's yeah. really true because <laughs> one guy yeah. told me that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, this has been he's such been a, a great... He's been on a, man, a panel. Exactly. A manal. Once so you've been on know. one mantle. <laughs> it's, it's funny, too, with, with that mantle, too. With, uh, before we went in, we said a prayer, and the priest was just kind of giggling to himself. He's just like, you know, it's funny. The farther away you are from your permanent vocation, the more nervous you are. So I'm a priest, so I couldn't care less right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you're engaged. You're probably not that nervous. You're dating. You're probably a little more nervous. And Tom, you're probably really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was pretty sure it was really funny. Well, we hope that you were not nervous coming on this podcast because you did an absolute fantastic job. Oh, and yeah. I mean, nice. you got you got into the, the the deep stuff that I love, but you gave us super practical tips that hopefully um, our listeners will be able to use as they venture back out into the dating world, hopefully very, very soon. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It's been an absolute joy. I think, um, yeah, if I may say one last thing too, I, I, I heard a really powerful homily um, that really stuck out to me. It was actually at a wedding. Um, and it was very simple, but the homily simply was that it's not the perfect family. It's called the Holy Family. And he goes through all this just craziness that the Holy Family went through with like Jesus being lost for days on end. And and yeah, just the whole life, the whole Having family. to go to Egypt when someone's trying to kill you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just the list goes on. And, and hardly- Living per- with perfect people when you're not perfect yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Poor St. <laughs> Joseph. I know. Um, but- uh, but I think it, it's really telling the fact that we're we're not, you know, this is always messy and always will be because we're all fallen yes. um, and that there is no such thing as perfect, unfortunately. But there is such like, but our perfection is the pursuit of perfection and thereby holiness and sanctity. And so it's the holy family. And so in the same way, I think even for life, it's not so much, you know, who is Pinterest worthy, but rather who is, who's making me a better person? Am I making him a better person? Are we making each other holier, better, more virtuous people in the same way? And yeah, I think also goes without saying that there's a lot of wars on the family right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, consequentially on dating and, and proper uh, culture yeah. around dating. And thereby, the question should be, who do I want to go to battle with, you know, and who is going to stand shoulder to shoulder with me? Um, also, also face to face with Eros, but also a lot of friendship and agape with shoulder to shoulder going together. Um, and I think that all ebbs and flows at proper seasons. But I, uh, but yeah. It's messy. It always will be. And dating is, is awkward and it always will be awkward. And that's great. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's an arduous good. But it's it's messy. It's it kind of necessitates a bit of pain or awkwardness or hurt even perhaps. But it's worth it. And it's uh, it's one of those things you have to just uh, get up and dance. It's not a game to be hacked or something to be figured out. It's a um, experience to be encountered um, with reverence. Um, but with that reverence also comes a respect for it's you know it's twists and turns uh and to dance with it you know to dance with god and to hopefully stumble toward heaven together absolutely the universal call to holiness does not overlook those who are dating yes correct i love it thank you so much and you didn't know when you told us about the homily that we always do last little bits that could be yours (laughs) if you really want it to we always end our podcast with like one more thing if i could just say one more thing i just want to say that one more thing so if you do have one more thing you're welcome to do it (laughs) trey do you have something 
I do. Um, okay, so we record on Wednesdays. We release on Friday. So today is Wednesday, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. But tomorrow, and I think this week and next week, for a lot of high schoolers, high school seniors, they are missing their graduations. And so I've got a high school senior this year, and we're doing kind of a mini uh, celebration at their school tomorrow. And then the graduation, the actual ceremony will be, I think, in June is what they're hoping for. And, and I've heard different schools are doing in July, some even early August, but for all those who should have been graduating this week or next week, congratulations, and we're just praying for you to go out into the world and make a difference, and um, take take some of these tips from Tommy <laughs> in, your, in your dating life, and as you kind of move through college or whatever it is that you do next, um, but we're so proud of you, and, and just God bless. Tommy, do you have a last little bit? Do you have anything else? <sighs> I think, yeah, I think my, I think I'm perhaps is a bit redundant, but again, um, the thing I would say is to, to not control too much, to do our part, uh, and to engage and to, to recognize what is my role, um, and to thereby, yeah, be bold as a, as a guy, um, to be, uh, and to put yourself out there and to, to dance, you know, with dating, um, but to not let that go too far to become too controlling and therefore inherently you will inevitably become frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, and even bitter, um, that it's a it's a mystery and it's it's messy, but it's always worth it. Um, and uh, be be putting yourself in a position where God can work through it and life can uh, have someone stumble your way and talk to you and pick up a good conversation. You just never know. Um, but to always be receptive to what life has to come your way. Love it. My last little bit is just going to be a quote from uh, Pope St. John Paul II, and it's actually how I ended our three-part series on dating. And the quote is this, love is never something ready-made, something merely given to man and woman. It is always at the same time a task on which they are set. Love should be seen as something which is, in a sense, never is, but is always only becoming. And what it becomes depends on the contribution of both persons and the depth of their commitment. None of us are there yet. Whether you're dating, whether you're single, whether you're praying for a vocation to the married life, or whether you're living in it right now, we're not there yet. We're always becoming. And that's what that's what growth and love and holiness is all about. That's right. That's Absolutely. Right. Thank all right, you so you much, y'all. What a great <laughs> podcast. Tommy, will you come back and talk to us? Because I think you have a lot more in your head than just reading. <laughs> I would be delighted to. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Have a good day. Yeah. Thank you so much. So much. Absolutely. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.